Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome, everyone. This is the Leslie Marshall Show, and I'm Brad Bannon, subbing for Leslie today. Actually, I should say pinch hitting uh, since spring training uh, uh, has started and the uh, Major League Baseball season starts in less than a month now. Uh, That will make me very happy, and hopefully my – I can't say this because our executive producer will get mad, but I'm hoping my Red Sox get in the playoffs this year. I think we can unite against the Blue Jays. Yeah, we can. We can do that, Mark. Okay. Okay, we've uh, got a great show today. Uh, in uh, this hour, we have two guests. Uh, my first guest is Kimberly uh, Atkins, who is the Washington Bureau Chief for the Boston Herald, and she's going to discuss uh, bo- uh, presidential politics with us, especially what happened last night in Michigan and Mississippi. Then in the second half hour, our guest is David Fagan. Uh, he is a CEO of a uh, high-tech firm called TillerForYou.com, uh, which is a political app, which he'll talk about. Uh, and then in hour two, we're going to have a round table where we'll discuss the presidential race and probably a couple of other things. Uh, to join me in the round table is uh, our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, and Democratic strategist Martin du- Marty Dunleavy. Uh, but right now, uh, we're going to go to our first guest, uh, Kimberly Atkins. But we have a bit of sound first before we talk to Kimberly. I want to thank the public. I want to thank the people of Michigan. I want to thank the people of Mississippi. And it is such a great honor. Every single person that's attacked me has gone down, Okay. I don't want to mention names. Let's not mention names, okay? They, they're out. They're gone. But you can take a look at virtually every single person. We started off with 17. We're down to four. Of the four, they're pretty much all gone, okay? Pretty much. They didn't do so well tonight, folks, okay? I'm not going to say anybody didn't do well. They didn't do well. There's only one person did well tonight, Donald Trump, I will tell you. So. I mean, it, it was actually amazing. I was impressed. And even Megan Kelly said, boy, Donald Trump really did well tonight. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. That was a very unusual. I was shocked, actually, to hear that. But that was very. Okay, that was, of course, Donald Trump, uh, the uh, victorious uh, Republican candidate for president. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking while we were running that clip that uh, I went to Catholic elementary and high school and if I talked about myself that way, uh, I would violate the sin of pride, uh, and I'd get slapped on the knuckles uh, by a nun with a ruler. Uh, anyway, uh, our guest in this half hour, as promised, is Kimberly Atkins, who is the Washington Bureau Chief of the Boston Herald. Kimberly, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Brad? Uh, just fine. Uh, first, uh, will you give us a brief recap of uh, what happened last night, Kimberly? Yes, last night there was uh, an, an unexpected upset 
in Michigan in the Democratic primary, uh, where Bernie Sanders, who had been trailing uh, Hillary Clinton by as much as 20 points in, in the polls leading up to it, uh, squeaked out a win, a two-point win in a state that, uh, you know, Clinton was, was, was counting on, was expected to win, like I said, and, but that Bernie Sanders had maintained all along that his message uh, was resonating, and it turns out uh, that he was right. You know, in the end, um, Hillary Clinton still picked up more delegates than Sanders, and since she had a really strong, you know, the, the blowout in Mississippi. Um, and so she walked away with a few more delegates and padded her 200-plus delegate lead, but it keeps Bernie alive uh, a little longer than Clinton's team probably thought he would be once again. Yeah, it did come as a surprise to most people that uh, Bernie Sanders won in Michigan. Uh, Hillary Clinton at one point, uh, not, you know, in the last few days, apparently had, was leading the polls, but uh, obviously Bernie Sanders uh, caught up. Uh, you know, it's it strikes me as strange, Kimberly, because uh, the, last week, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders campaign strategist Tad Devine uh, accidentally announced that uh, that Senator Sanders would consider running on as vice president on a tick with, ticket with Hillary Clinton, which did not exactly inspire confidence, I suspect, in uh, among uh, Berniacs. Uh, and, no. Yeah. And uh, everybody in Washington, well, you know, everybody, you know, most people in Washington were basically saying Bernie Sanders was as dead as a doornail. But last night he comes from behind, uh, wins a primary in a big state, a big industrial state, as you say. So uh, we've got more to go in the Democratic race. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this is the second time that that's happened. At first, that was supposed to, you know, his campaign was supposed to end after Super Tuesday. And then he lived uh, to, to play on, and then it happened again uh, this time. So he, he keeps defying the odds little by little, putting off the, putting off a, a, what some would call a Clinton coronation. Yeah, and next uh, Tuesday we have a whole bunch of stuff. I believe we have Ohio, uh, Florida, uh, Illinois, North Carolina, and Missouri. Maybe I'm leaving someone out. Uh, but, you know, my guess is uh, after next Tuesday... Uh, we'll have a pr much better idea uh, who's in what position because we're going to elect. We've already elected a lot of delegates, and we're going to elect a lot more uh, on uh, next Tuesday, and we'll have a better idea whether uh, Bernie Sanders is in this race to stay or not. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, just under 800 delegates are up for grabs. Uh, in those states, and, and it'll be really interesting, especially after last night, to see what happens, especially in a place like Ohio, which is similar to Michigan in a lot of ways. It's another Rust Belt state. Um, it, it has, you know, it, it's uh, diverse uh, racially and, and uh, economically, and it has a lot of the, you know, middle-class, blue-collar folks that Bernie has been resonating with. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether the results there are similar um, and whether this will be the, the election that uh, Secretary Clinton is able to put it away or Senator Sanders uh, keeps, keeps moving forward. Okay. Uh, our guest in this hour is Kimberly Atkins, who is the Washington Bureau's chief for the Boston Herald. If you'd like to join in the conversation uh, with me and Leslie, uh, which is a good way of getting me to shut up, uh, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-6-LESLIE. 
Now, let's talk about the Republican uh, race, Kimberly. That's a lot crazier than the Democratic race, I think. Uh, what happened on the Republican side last night? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Donald Trump had uh, sizable victories. He took three of the four states that the Republicans voted in. I mean, in the in the sound clip you played, um, you know, he was right when he said he, he won. He was really the only person who clearly won last night. He was. He boosted his delegate count. I mean, even counting Bernie Sanders, he won a state, but he lost in the delegate uh, race. So it's kind of a wash. Um, whereas Donald Trump won. Ted Cruz got one state, but it still wasn't enough to really uh, counter Donald Trump. It keeps him alive. Uh, but it was a terrible night for Senator Marco Rubio uh, and also for John Kasich. Both of them are counting on winning their home states next week. But even if they do, uh, it, I just can't see what a path to, what any path to, nominate, to a nomination remains. Uh, quickly, uh, Leslie, because we're going to break, uh, tell us there's a sort of uh, interesting twist to Ohio and Florida next week on the Republican side, and it's called winner take all. Can you explain that, please? Yes. Yeah, so up until now, there have been uh, the, the delegates have been split proportionally. If you, I think there are some minimal amounts of percentage-wise that you have to reach to at least walk away with some. But in, a sta- uh, in these states, they're pretty sizable. Um, like Ohio and Florida, the winner takes all the delegates. There's no, there's no, there's no silver medal. So okay. um, these states are crucially important. If Donald Trump wins either one, um, it really crushes the 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 ability of uh, any of the other candidates to get any traction. Which is why folks like Mitt Romney have started robocalling uh, in an effort to help uh, Senator Rubio maybe win, uh, his home state of Florida and help Governor Kasich win in Ohio and in, in this, uh, stop Trump effort that, uh, Governor Romney and some other folks in the GOP have been, uh, pushing. Yeah, they sure have. Uh, we're going to go to break now. Our guest in this half hour is Kimberly Atkins, who is the Washington bureau chief for the Boston Herald. And if you want to call in and join the conversation, call us at 888-6-LESLIE. We'll be right back with more of the Leslie Marshall Show after these messages. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. 888-6-LESLIE. Hello, this is Mitt Romney, and I'm calling on behalf of Marco Rubio for president. I believe these are critical times that demand a serious, thoughtful commander-in-chief. If we Republicans were to choose Donald Trump as our nominee, I believe that the prospects for a safe and prosperous future would be greatly diminished. And I'm convinced Donald Trump would lose to Hillary Clinton. All right. Uh, well, what more can you say about that? Um, I think Mitt said it all there. I think it's also probably pointless because I don't think any Republican cares what Mitt Romney thinks, but that's just me. Our guest in this half hour is Kimberly Atkins, who is the Washington Bureau Chief uh, for the uh, Boston Herald. Let me ask you a question about uh, what happened in the Republican primary in Massachusetts. Uh, one of the things that struck me as odd, Kimberly, is that on in the Republican primary, now Fall River is a blue-collar old mill city. 
is a city where Democrats usually do pretty well. Uh, but on the day of the Republican primary, uh, Donald Trump won uh, 72% of the vault in, uh, in a Fall River, which is a very blue-collar district. And you think of those people uh, voting for Republican, uh, for Democrats. Uh, do you think uh, Trump has crossover appeal with blue-collar voters, the kind who live in Fall River? I think that he can. I think that he can. I mean, like you said, he demonstrated it there. I mean, Massachusetts is an interesting place because you have a very large number of people who uh, may generally vote Democratic, but that are not affiliated with either party. And, and so, it's, when you have that, I mean, Massachusetts has the reputation of being very liberal. Um, and when in actuality, I like to correct people and say it's not that it's so liberal; it's that it tends to vote in national races very democratic and those are two different things because you do have these different segments of the state a lot of blue-collar workers and they fall into this category of folks that we hear about as being disaffected as being angry you might say um, who don't really feel as if their their uh, representatives have, have been listening to them and if Donald Trump's message appeals to that um, he can win them over. Now, it, it's important to point out that in the primary, although Donald Trump did win the GOP race in Massachusetts, a much, much greater number of voters voted for um, either Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders in that race. I mean, they both, if it was a three-person race, Donald Trump would have come in third. But um, he won enough to, to, to win the nomination, I mean, to win the primary in a state that generally likes a much more moderate uh, Republicans. I mean, they they elect Republicans as governors very, very fairly frequently, like Mitt Romney. Like Mitt Romney, when when he what? Well, he was he seemed to be very moderate when he ran for governor. He was in Massachusetts. Things changed somehow afterwards. Or like Charlie Baker, the current governor. Um, and, and so for for them to go for someone like Trump, it, it was really carried by that kind of blue collar vote that you're talking about. Uh. What is the, uh, I was watching the uh, Trump press conference last night with all the product statement, Trump steaks, Trump water, Trump whatever else uh, he had. And uh, what do you think is the appeal that uh, Donald Trump has to Republican voters? I think it's, it's, it's his ability to kind of touch people, like I said, to reach out to people who feel that they have not uh, been focused on. I mean, I think you have a lot of working, uh, working class, blue collar, um, largely white audiences, uh, white voters who have seen, um, who haven't benefited from the economic recovery in the way that they had hoped, and who, you know, largely so, they, they tend not to be the focus, uh, particularly in a presidential election. Um, of the candidates that are running. I mean, if you look at 2012, uh, Mitt Romney really had a difficult time trying to make his case for folks that, um, you know, the more working class and lower income folks, um, you know, lower education folks, more industrial. And he kept shooting himself in the foot when he tried. And Donald Trump seems to have resonated, is, is just ringing uh, with these folks. And it has that kind of appeal. You have the appeal of folks who, um, have a certain foreign policy view that they think that the borders are too, have been too open for too long, both in terms of security, both in terms of economic uh, issues. 
And, you know, when he talks about sealing the borders, that's music to the ears of a lot of people as well. I think if you put all that together, um, it's given him a pretty strong plurality. I think we still have to see whether that can come and turn into a majority uh, that can win a general election. I don't know if we know that yet, but I think the strong plurality he's put together has defied everybody's expectations, mine included. We have about two minutes left, Kimberly. Let me ask you this question. It's quite, And I think we'll have a better idea a week from today after the yeah. primaries next Tuesday. But it's quite possible uh, Donald Trump will go to the Republican convention in Cleveland in July with more delegates than anybody else, but not a majority of the delegates. Right. Uh, if that's the case, do you think uh, the Republican establishment can find a way to come up with a, another candidate out of a hat? Uh, and stop Trump? I don't know. I mean, who would it be, Brad? I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, all of the people who are supposed to be uh, possible, you know, establishment folks have fallen by the wayside. I mean, you had Jeb Bush, who I see is meeting with the other three candidates, and I'm thinking, well, what is he going to say to them? What can Jeb bring uh, at this point in the game? Or you had... Um, you know, uh, other folks who just haven't lasted in this race. So I, I'm not sure who that person might be. I mean, Scott Walker, he was almost a presumed front runner when he entered, and he never gained any steam. So I'm just not sure who that candidate would be. Yeah, one thing is interesting. I think I read today that Ben Carson uh, says he's leaning towards endorsing Trump. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's great, because uh, Carson can bring all 1% of the vote he got in <laughs> Michigan tomorrow uh, and add it to Trump's total. Uh, right, right. I mean, I just, I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I think at this point, for, for some of these folks, they're picking the front runner and backing them in hopes that maybe there's a the place for them in the Trump administration. Well, one thing I know for sure, Kimberly, there's no place in the Trump administration for me. Uh, anyway, Kimberly, uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us this afternoon. Uh, we hope we can have you back sometime. Uh, thanks for running through the presidential race for us. We're going to go to break now. When we get back, our next guest is going to be David Fagan, who is the CEO of a company called TillerForYou.com, and that's the number four. It is uh, a high-tech firm, and uh, the firm has designed a new app to increase political uh, participation. Anyway, we'll be back uh, with David after these messages. And if you want to call David and join the chat, uh, give us a call at 888-6LESLIE. And after that, uh, we'll be back with more of the Leslie Marshall Show after these messages. This is Brad Bannon, and I'm pinch-hitting for Leslie Marshall on the uh, Leslie Marshall Show this afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk politics, is what we usually do and what I always do when I'm guest, guest, hoping, uh, guest hosting. It's the only thing I really know anything about. Uh, actually, I was once telling someone that there, I know a lot about things, but there are only three things I know a lot about. Uh, politics, baseball, and child-rearing. Uh, and I happened to say that once when my daughter was in with it, within her earshot, and she said, Dad, two out of three isn't bad. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
a smart kid. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to uh, continue our t- discussion about politics. Uh, and let me uh, sort of uh, recap uh, the presidential race. Uh, our guest in our first half hour was Kimberly Atkins of the Boston Herald. And last night, uh, I think the big news last night was uh, that Bernie Sanders uh, scored a big upset win uh, in Michigan, which is a state, big state, industrial state with a lot of delegates. And I think most people thought that Hillary Clinton was probably going to win it. Uh, on the Republican side, uh, by the way, Hillary Clinton won Mississippi, and actually she won Mississippi almost unanimously, uh, which means she gets about all of Mississippi's delegates and just less than half of Michigan's. And actually, she won more delegates last night than Bernie Sanders. And the reality is that's the only thing that counts. Uh, It's nice to win a state, uh, but what really matters is how many delegates you accumulate. Uh, For instance, uh, the name of the game on the Democratic side is to accumulate 2,000 Uh, 382 delegates. Uh, Hillary Clinton right now has about uh, uh, 1,100, I believe. Uh, Bernie Sanders has close to 600. On the Republican side last night, uh, they had four primaries. Uh, Donald Trump won in Michigan, uh, Mississippi, and I believe the third one was Hawaii. Uh, And Ted Cruz uh, won Idaho. Uh, John Kasich, uh, I think, finished uh, second in Michigan, so he'll get some delegates there. Uh, Marco Rubio did not get enough vote in any of the states to get any of the delegates. Uh, So unless he wins his home state of Florida next weekend, uh, I think uh, we can send uh, cards, condolence cards to the Rubio campaign. And actually, it's the same thing. Uh, Kasich is way behind. Uh, He's won one state. No, he hasn't won. Uh, Kasich hasn't won a delegate yet. Rubio has 181. Uh, but next week, uh, Kasich gets to run in his home state where he's governor, Ohio. And if he wins Ohio, uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be uh, all of a sudden have about 60 delegates. And right now he has zero. Uh, one of the interesting things about the uh, Republican nom- uh, campaign is they have a winner-take-all rule. And so, for instance, in Florida on next Tuesday, uh, Florida sends 99 delegates to the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. And Florida and Ohio have a winner-take-all rule, which means they do not split up the delegates based on, their, on the candidate's performance. In Ohio and Florida, uh, you, if you win the primary by one vote, you get all the delegates. So, for instance, if Marco Rubio manages to beat Donald Trump in his home state of Florida, and that's a big if right now because Rubio's way behind, but if he manages to pull an upset, uh, Marco Rubio will get all 99 of the delegates uh, in uh, Florida, uh, even if he beats Donald Trump by one lousy vote. Uh, And the same thing is true in Ohio. Uh, if John Kasich comes from behind and beats uh, Donald Trump in his home in, in Kasich's home state where he's governor, uh, even if he Kasich beats Trump by one lousy vote, uh, he'll get all of 60-something delegates uh, that Ohio will send to the Republican National Convention. 
uh, a I think it's pretty accurate to say uh, that if Donald Trump beats Kasich in uh, Ohio next Tuesday, Kasich is out of the race. Uh, and I think you can also say the same thing about Florida. If Trump beats uh, Rubio in Florida next Tuesday, I think that will knock Rubio out. Uh, so it's do or die time next Tuesday uh, for Kasich and uh, Rubio. And if Trump finds some way to manage uh, to win Florida and Ohio, uh, that's going to give him about 150 more delegates, uh, which is, means it's going to be hard for him uh, to catch. Uh, it's going to be hard for any of the other candidates uh, to, tech, to catch Trump and delegates. Now, the interesting thing, and we discussed this in the first half hour, was that it's quite possible, uh, I think, you to, need, to win the Republican nomination, you need about... Uh, 1,200 to win, a majority is 1,200 delegates and change. Uh, Right now, uh, Trump has a little less than 500. Uh, Cruz has, I think, about 350 delegates. Uh, Rubio has, I think, 191. And poor John Kasich um, has no delegates at all. And it's quite possible, especially if uh, Kasich can win Ohio next week, and or Rubio wins Florida, it's quite possible Donald Trump will go to the Republican National Convention with more delegates than anybody else, uh, but he will not have a majority uh, to get himself the nomination. Brad, I want to. I have a question about that. When you say a majority, meaning um, versus all the other people combined, is that correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, the reality is uh, it's quite possible we have a situation where Trump will have the most delegates, but Cruz, Rubio, uh, and maybe Kasich, uh, the other three candidates, will have more delegates in total than Trump has. Which would force a, a potentially a brokered convention, correct? Yeah, it would force a brokered convention, which means essentially uh, the three other candidates, Rubio, uh, Cruz, and Kasich, if he wins Ohio, uh, will try to get together uh, probably um, in a knife fight and decide which of the three of them is going to run, be the final candidate at the convention against Trump. Uh, and uh, there'll be a lot of wheeling and dealing in a lot of uh, back rooms if that happens. We haven't had a brokered convention since the 1940s. Wow. Uh, and if we have one in, uh, in uh, Cleveland in July, it will be a complete zoo. And, it's one of the, and the Republican establishment, including Mitt Romney, uh, is clearly trying to stop Trump from winning the nomination. Uh, they think uh, Donald Trump is a killer. Uh, he will bring down the entire Republican ticket with him, and they may be right about that. Uh, and so they're doing everything they can to stop Trump. Now, unfortunately, the Republican establishment, the Mitt Romneys of the world, the Jeb Bushes of the world, don't have very much power. So one of two things could happen at the Republican convention, both bad for the Republicans, One is uh, they can go ahead and make sure uh, Trump has enough delegates to win the nomination, even though he doesn't have a majority, uh, in which case Trump will be leading the ticket, which is probably not a good thing for the Republican Party. 
In fact, the NBC and the Wall Street Journal released a national survey this morning that showed Hillary Clinton was beating Donald Trump by 13 points in the general election, and Bernie Sanders was beating Trump by 18 points in the general election. Uh, so a Trump ticket uh, could be finish off the Republican Party as we know it. Uh, I'm not going to shed any tears, but I'm sure there are some people out there who would. Uh, so, uh, and, But the other thing that could happen uh, is uh, the three candidates, Cruz, Rubio, and Kasich, uh, will uh, jump to you get together, uh, just uh, pick one of those three to uh, challenge Trump at the convention, and they might the three of them might have more delegates together than Trump does. Uh, in which case, there's going to be a fight at the Republican National Convention uh, that will be the end. That will be the mother of all convention fights. Yes, yes. Well, what would happen is uh, that uh, it dep- if uh, Rubio and Kasich uh, drop out of the race to support Cruz, uh, the Rubio delegates and the mythical Kasich delegates uh, could... Uh, uh, say, well, since my guy's out of the race, I've decided I'm going to support Ted Cruz. And in that case, uh, we'll have, they have a ballot, and it may be if those three candidates in the Republican con- uh, establishment get together, uh, one of those uh, may be end up being the nominee, even though they don't have nearly as many voters as Donald Trump. The other possibility uh, is that the Republicans might bring in someone from the sidelines and, and throw all the anti-Trump delegates uh, towards that uh, Republican candidate. And the name you hear most as a possible uh, candidate at the convention is the Republican Speaker of the House, uh, Paul Ryan. And uh, there's nothing to stop the anti-Trump delegates from uh, dropping their initial commitment and saying they're going to vote for Paul Ryan for the nomination. And if that happened, if the Republican establishment finds a way to stop, stop Trump, even though he has most of the delegates, my guess is that the Trump people uh, will go uh, guana nuts. Yeah, uh, and... Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if uh, Trump is denied the nomination, even though he went into convention with more delegates, this, Trump may very well decide, well, screw this. Uh, you should have nominated me, and I'm going to pay you back by running as a third-party independent. And if that happens, if Donald Trump ran as a third-party candidate as an independent, uh, he would doom uh, whoever the Republican candidate is. He probably, at that time, he probably couldn't. Uh, But I think, again, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what kind of shape Trump is going to have. It's going to be in next Wednesday after the five primaries on Tuesday. So if it...
Well, no, but what he might do is, for instance, after next Tuesday primary, if it looks like to Trump that he's not going to have the majority he needs uh, to uh, uh, win the nomination at the convention, uh, he might just decide to jump out of the Republican race at that point and start a third party candidacy. Yeah, it would. It would be be, beautiful. It would be great for Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton because if Trump ran as a third-party candidate, uh, he would essentially anoint anoint, uh, the Democratic candidate as the next president of the United States by dividing the Republican vote. And uh, that's a real problem. So either they're going to nominate Trump, uh, which is hurts them or they're going to nominate stop trump and nominate someone else which is also bad for the gop damned if you do damned if you don't that's the situation the republican party finds itself in right now and uh, again as i said we'll probably have a better idea next uh next year uh next week uh what the thing looks like on both the democratic and republican side but we're going to break now uh and when we get back from break Uh, We are going to uh, do a political roundtable, and joining us in our roundtable on politics would be our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, uh, and Democratic strategist, Marty Dunleavy. And if you want to join the discussion, and it should be pretty lively, and we have a whole hour, uh, give us a call at 888-6LESLIE. Anyway, when we get back from these breaks, uh, we will have more of the Leslie Marshall Show. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. 888-6-LESLIE. back with more of the Leslie Marshall Show. All right, all right. As is our custom, uh, we're going to be joined in this segment uh, by a good friend, uh, Ellen Ratner, who is the Bureau Chief of Talk Media News in Washington, D.C. She has a few things she wants to talk about, uh, starting with uh, Hillary Clinton and, yes, you guessed it, emails. Uh, right. Well, today the Republican National Committee filed a lawsuit for access to emails of Hillary Clinton's co-workers when they were at the State Department together. And they're looking at emails for her time as Secretary of State, along with emails from 2013 after she left office, but by her staff members. Now, why they're not going to one of the groups that does FOIA, uh, Freedom of Information Act, I don't know. It's, it's as one of my last talk show hosts said she happens to be an attorney and a judge. And she said, basically, they lack standing, but they're still doing this. And they're clearly doing this for the public relations value. Yeah, I think that's the answer there. They're just doing it to score a couple uh, quick political points. Uh, let's uh, turn uh, to, sadly, to the Middle East. Uh, today, uh, there was a bombing in Iraq, wasn't there, Ellen? Uh, yes. Well, actually, there were several sorties, airstrikes that we know, and this was to try and eliminate ISIS's chemical weapons program. Now, a couple weeks ago, Channel 7 in L.A. reported that, in fact, they had captured the ISIS guy who was in charge of making chemical weapons. 
Obviously, he did some singing, as we would say in the business, and he told the Americans where to strike. And also, it was leaked to the New York Times. Of course, New York Times won't say it was leaked. They'll just say they did good reporting. But it was a leak saying that, in fact, the, uh, the ISIS group in Iraq was planning on making mustard gas. Uh, that's not good, mainly because uh, I hope they're sure this time, because the last time we had reports of chemical weapons, uh, we invaded a country, uh, Iraq, uh, and we ended up killing hundreds of thousands of people and 4,500 brave young Americans. So they better be sure this time they're really chemical weapons there, because the last time it did not work out. Uh, the only advantage this time is we're only sending airstrikes and we're not sending human beings. Now, um, okay, the last thing, uh, Iran, Iran is testing uh, missiles. What's going on the story so with that? So the president worked out a deal with Iran uh, to stop making nuclear, energy, nuclear the precursors for a nuclear bomb, but they did not in this agreement come up with missiles. So now Iran is testing missiles, and according to uh, the White House today, the White House spokesperson, Josh Ernst, they are actually going to be probably detonating more missiles over the next week or two. So we know they are very active in their missile program. He's saying the international community is concerned, and they're going to try and make sure that certain materials are not sent uh, to, uh, to Iran. But I just don't know. If they're detonating missiles, that's not a pretty situation. Uh, I also heard, not surprisingly, that the Republicans in Congress, uh, when they heard about the Iranian uh, missile test, uh, went crazy and demanded of President Obama that he abrogate the agreement. Well, that's right. I mean, so that's part of the other issue is that the agreement was not necessarily comprehensive, and the Republicans are taking full advantage of that. Uh, yes, they are. Uh, do you think... Uh, do you, how do you think this is going to play out, uh, Ellen? If I mean, they are testing mi- missiles, which I guess are uh, capable of carrying nuclear warheads. I think the total the range is something like 1,200 miles, which means they can hit Israel, but they can't hit us. Uh, and uh, do you think this is going to just threaten the entire process of trying to reach an agreement uh, with nuclear weapons on, uh, well, there, on Iran? Well, you know, essentially a nuclear weapons agreement has pretty much been reached. The issue is whether they can somehow extend it by threatening other things. But don't forget what we were able to do, or what we're not able to do, what we did do is to start to begin to release some of this money uh, to Iran, and a lot of people are saying they're just going to use that to develop more weapons. Oh, boy, what a mess. Um, you know, the horrible thing about the Middle East is it never ends. It's always something. Ellen, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, look forward to your next visit. Uh, Thank you. Okay, Ellen, have a good one. Uh, we'll be back um, after these messages uh, with more of the Leslie Marshall Show and our political roundtable with Democratic strategist uh, Marty Dunleavy and on all, our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. If you want to call in and join the discussion on the presidential race, uh, call 888-6-LESLIE. We'll be back right after these messages. <laughs> 